You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. The title of the message today, find your way to Genesis 5 and 6, the title of the message today is The Days of Noah. The Days of Noah. And as we jump into Genesis 5 and 6, well, here's what we're going to be looking at in Genesis chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the genealogy of man, the genealogy of mankind. We're going to be looking at the genealogy all the way from the first man and woman on the earth, Adam and Eve, all the way up to Noah, uh, the, uh, the genealogy of man through Noah. And here's what's astonishing incredible to consider the earth is still very young if we look at the genealogy in Genesis 5 the end of the genealogy takes us to about 1500 AD maybe 1600 not AD excuse me uh, 1600 years after Adam was on the earth so man has been on the earth for 1600 years and you know what we find you know what we see the earth is already filled with incredible violence. The earth is corrupted by sin. And again, the earth is young. Man's only been on the earth for 1,600 years. And it's corrupt. It's evil. Uh, all kinds of things happening. In Genesis 3, we read about the fall of man, the fall of Adam and Eve. And in Genesis 4, there's murders on the earth. Cain murders Abel. Uh, Lamech, uh, his lineage, his, his children are working with metallurgy, right? They're making uh, bronze and, and steel. Uh, by the way, I know that uh, uh, secular history books would like us to believe that there's like a bronze age and an iron age and that kind of thing and that uh, man evolved from ooze and turned into a clam and then turned into a fish and uh, the Bible has none of that from the very beginning of time the Bible teaches man was working with metals and all these kind of things and Lamech's uh, lineage were those who worked with metals uh, there was those who worked in the arts and all these things are in very early in man's history and Lamech uh, his Sons, his family, his lineage, they're all working with metals and they're making weapons. They're making tools. And Lamech takes those weapons that, and he kills a man. And so in Genesis 4, just one chapter after the fall of man, we see that the earth is filled with murder. Murder's commonplace. And it's crazy. Uh, evil and wickedness and crime and murder are already commonplace on the earth. Uh, take a look at Genesis 6. Uh, we're going to jump back to chapter 5, but move forward to Genesis 6. I want to give you just a couple of verses to start with. Chapter 6, verse 11. Put your finger on it. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let's pray as we open God's word. Uh, Jesus, we come before you. We have gathered in your name. We are here in your house. We've come to worship you. We've come to know you. Lord, we pray that you would help us. 
Lord, it's hard to love a God we cannot see. We have a hard time loving people who we can see. Lord, help us to love you, a God we cannot see, that we walk with by faith. And Lord, we realize that your Bible is not a book like any other. Lord, it is divinely inspired. Lord, open our hearts that we might see the wonderful things that you've written in it, that we might know you better. For Lord, it's you that we're seeking after this morning. Lord, we also realize your word wants to teach us things about ourselves. Lord, help us to learn who we really are. And Lord, help us to deepen our relationship with you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Uh, chapter 6, verse 11, it says, the earth was what? Corrupt. Uh, corrupt means decayed. It means spoiled. It means it's perverted. The earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. You'll notice the word used three times. What was it? Corrupt, vile, polluted, spoiled. The earth was corrupt. The Bible is in a, a book that, that repeats words, and it lists it three times as trying to say there is incredible wickedness on the earth. Look what it says. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Here we see right off the bat, uh, the earth is just super corrupt. And we would have to ask ourselves the question, why can't man just be good? Why is murder prevalent? Why is crime prevalent? Why is... All this evil on the earth already at such a young age. Why is the earth already filled with violence? Why in the world? Why can't we just be good? Why can't we just be loving? Why is the world so evil? You ever wonder that? Sometimes, you know, you watch the news, you're like, man, I can't watch anymore. It's like the so evil. Or you see the things that are done, the human trafficking and the, the crime and the smashing grabs and the, the cruelty. You say, gosh, why can't we just get along? How hard could it possibly be? Well, the Bible gives us the reason on why the world is so evil. Let's go back to chapter 5. And let's start in verse 1. And here it says... This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Uh, for one, you might want to note, this is the book. Uh, there was a book that Moses was given when he wrote Genesis, and there was a book of a genealogy, and this is it. We're reading it here in five. There were books early on. And it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. The name Adam there means mankind. God named Adam, Adam, and he gave him the name mankind. That was Adam's name, right? This is the book of the genealogy of mankind. In the day that God created man, he, God, made him in the likeness of God. Uh, yeah, that's a good thing to underline there. God created man in the likeness of God. And he created them male and female. 
and he blessed them and he called them mankind. Uh, that's the same word, Adam in Hebrew. Uh, Adam, he called them Adam in the day they were created. Um, God made Adam and Eve, tells us both there, male and female, and both of them were made in the image of God. Do you know why you want to be loved? Because you were made in the image of God. God is love. Love is, is the attribute of who God is. Do you know why you're appalled by injustice? Because God is just. And deep inside, you long for justice on the earth. You know why you, you want righteousness? Why you want things to be? Because God is a righteous God. And we were created in the image of God. Clothed with the very person of God, the radiant glory of God. Adam and Eve would have been radiating the glory of God as we studied back in Genesis uh, when, when God made man. Uh, they, they had the, the, the presence of God with them all the time. They were made in God's image. But notice what it says. He made them male and female, and he blessed them, called them mankind in the day they were created in the image of God. And look at verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son, and underline this, in his own likeness after his image. And he named him Seth. Herein lies the problem. Adam and Eve were made in God's image, but Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They choose to disobey God and to believe Satan and to obey Satan and to not believe God and to not obey God, but instead to obey Satan and they fell. And great was the fall. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Adam and Eve fell. They could never recover what was lost. Uh, and now they were in the image of God. And now they are uh, in the image of a sinful, fallen nature. And now they're having children in their likeness and their image. And herein lies the problem. Why is there evil in the world? Why can't we just get along? Here's why. Mankind has a sin nature. We have a sin nature. We want to be nice, but instead, we're snotty. We want to be selfless. Instead, we're selfish. We want to be... I, you get it, right? Uh, <laughs> I found it really funny. I'm told Sunday, on Easter Sunday, you know, the place was packed out and the overflow room was completely packed out. And there was a girl, a woman, sitting in the very back of the overflow room. And uh, I was giving the gospel message on Easter Sunday and I said something about our sinful nature. And I used some adjectives to describe it, right? Like, hey, we're this and we're this. And she got angry. And she said, I'm not a sinner. That's not true. I'm not sinful. And she gets one of our church Bibles, gets up in an angry uh, temperament, 
walks out, stomping out, takes the Bible and throws it on the welcome table and says, I'm not sinful. <laughs> if it walks like a duck, And whoever that is, I don't know who you are. So if you're here again today, welcome back. Glad you're here. <laughs> I hope you are. Uh, no judgment. No judgment whatsoever. You know why? Because I'm sinful. And I've done stupid things that I regret. And I've done foolish things that I thought, what did I do that for? Uh, but you just kind of proved my point is all I'm saying, right? And it's not my point. It's the Bible's point. And here's the problem. We are sinful. This is man's problem, right? Adam bears an, a son in his own image, in his own likeness. And you know what? I did the same thing. And I tried to teach my kids to be good, but they have a sin nature also, just like me. Uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, verse 4. And he begot Seth, after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons of daughters, lots of them, right? And all the days of Adam, that Adam lived, were 930 years, and read these words with me, and he died. That's what we also inherit from our parents, a sin nature and death. God said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. They died spiritually the day they ate of it, and physical death was the result that followed. And here we see, oh my goodness, Adam created in the likeness of God, holy and loving, but Adam rebelled, and now uh, his kids look, look like a fallen mess. And herein lies the problem. I want you to know something. Adam and Eve were the only two humans on earth that truly understood, truly underst under, uh, grasped how severe the fall was. Uh, if you grew up in a dysfunctional house, if you don't even know you're in a dysfunctional house until you get older, right? Uh, you get older and you see other things, you see other families and you're like, wow, my family's crazy. <laughs> I had no idea. I had that experience. Uh, my family's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, I won't go into anything. Uh, <laughs> But I didn't know when I was a child. I didn't know, right? Uh, Adam and Eve knew what it was like to live in a glorified body. To be clothed with the person of God. God is a spirit. And those who walk with him must walk with him in spirit and in truth. Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve didn't have to try to love. They were love. Adam and Eve didn't have to try to be good. They were good. Adam and Eve didn't have to try to be selfless. They were selfless. Until the day that they were deceived by Satan and they rebelled against God. And in that moment, God's presence departed from them. And they went from being loving and selfless and kind and generous to being selfish and stingy and arrogant and prideful and human, fallen human.
And they knew how severe the fall was. You and I, we've grown up in these sinful bodies. All we've known are these sinful bodies. We don't even know how sinful we are. And that's one of our biggest sin problems. We don't even know how sinful we are. The religious leaders, uh, they didn't think they needed a savior. That was the biggest problem. They thought they were good, right? Uh, and so uh, this is the, the situation where we're at. Uh, they were once in God's image, and now they are naked. Once clothed with the glory of God. And this is why we need to be born again. We need to be born again because we cannot reform our sin nature. Uh, no matter how hard we try, we cannot reform this sin nature. Uh, Self-help books are the largest category of books that are sold. They, they, do, the, they do the best, right? Self-help books. Back in the days when there were bookstores, you walked into Barnes & Noble before Amazon, right? You walked into Barnes & Noble, and the self-help section was the biggest step. Why? Well, we know we need reform, we know we're broken deep inside. I got I to gotta learn how to be a better husband. I got to learn how to be a better wife. I got to learn how to be a better friend. I got to learn how to be a better business leader that doesn't just yell at my employees. I got to learn how to lead. Well, yeah, we know we're fallen, and we think that we can reform ourselves, but we can't. That is the problem. And this is shocking. Even religion can't reform this sinful nature we have to be born again Jesus talked to the religious leaders who were all about trying to improve themselves and they were doing it by by religion uh, by studying God's word by doing things that you know uh, Judaism and Jesus said woe to you scribes and Pharisees religious leaders you travel land and sea to win a single proselyte a single convert and when you win him, you make him twice the son of hell as you are. Wow. Yeah, you teach him how to be self-righteous and how to judge others and how to think you're better than everybody else. And what's, what's Jesus saying? You cannot reform this flesh. It can't be reformed. You have to be born again. Nicodemus, another religious leader, came to Jesus at night one, one night, uh, John chapter 3. And he says, Jesus, what must a man do to go to heaven? And Jesus said, forget going to heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You can't even perceive that it exists unless you're born again. And we cannot reform this for the flesh, no matter how hard you try. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. No, no, no. No, you're not. You're going to, you might, you might put on a good mask, but you will still be selfish and arrogant and trying to make yourself look good and always thinking about yourself first. Why? Because we have to be born again. You say, well, then how do you get born again? It's really simple. You believe that you're sinful. You're honest with yourself. You're honest with God about your sin. And you believe that God became a man and that he went to a cross to die for your sin. And that God loves you that much 
that he, God, would become a man to take the punishment of your sin. And your heart becomes moved and you say, wow, if God loves me that much to become a man and go to a cross to take the punishment of my sin, then I want to know a God who loves me like that. And the moment that you come to that understanding, you are born again. And God's spirit now then begins to dwell in you and begins to lead you and begins to transform your thinking and your life in a progressive revelation of a relationship with your creator. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, so awesome to see. Uh, why? Because we have been born in the image of our father. And we have to be born again in the image of our heavenly father. There is only one begotten of our heavenly father. And that's Jesus, right? Again, John 3, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, what? Begotten son. Adam was the one that was begotten of God. He was holy and righteous, but he fell. And now Adam begot Seth and Seth bears his image. And to be transformed, we have to be begotten of Jesus. It's the only way. He's the only other begotten besides Adam who was ever uh, uh, righteous and, 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 and made sinless, right? Um, uh, Jesus wasn't made. I mean, G Jesus always was. But God became a man, and he's the only begotten of the Father, and we have to be born in him. Now, we look at this, and we see what we just read. Adam had Seth. We know that Seth is not Adam and Eve's first child. How do we know that? Well, because we read chapter 4, right? Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and they had tons of other kids. Tons. And we know that Cain killed Abel, right? And uh, uh, Cain gets, why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was self-righteous. And he was jealous at, at Abel's uh, that Abel's offering was received by God and Cain's wasn't, right? And so Cain kills Abel in his self-righteous anger. And uh, uh, here Seth is given, he's listed as uh, Adam and Eve have Seth because Seth will become the lineage through whom the promised Messiah will come. Um. Seth actually means appointed. Go back to chapter 4. Look at verse 25. Uh, this is after Cain kills Abel. Uh, ch chapter 4, verse 25. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son named Seth. And she said, for God has appointed. That's what Seth means. She named him appointed. God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. So uh, Eve had hoped that Seth would be the appointed one, the Messiah. Eve saw all the evil on the earth. She saw the murder of Cain killing Abel, the murder of Lamech, and all that murder was already happening at, at wholesale, I mean, all the time there on the earth. Crime was running rampant. And she says, oh, I hope that Seth is the Messiah, the one that God promised, the one that God said, your seed will crush the head of the serpent, will crush Satan. Uh, I hope this is the one. He's the appointed one. 
And uh, God blessed Eve's faith. Jesus would come through the lineage of Seth, but Seth was not the Messiah, as we clearly know. And wickedness continued to fill the earth. Now, uh, as a sidebar, uh, let's put it in part just for one second. And uh, as a sidebar, I want to give you something. The genealogy of Genesis chapter 5 has some amazing information in it. It's like really uh, incredibly useful information. By simply reading the names and the dates that are listed in the genealogy, we can find out a lot of information. As a matter of fact, we can find out the very date of the global flood, of Noah's flood. And it's not hard to do. Uh, take a look at this. Look at verse 3. Adam lived... 130 years and begot a son. That wasn't his first son. That was Seth, right? In his own likeness, in his own image. Uh, and so after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800, and, uh, 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Noah were 930 years and he died, right? Uh, that's going to be a reoccurring phrase, and he died. That's what we inherit. But if we do something here, make a chart like this. You can do it yourself. <coughs> Uh, you can just write Adam. Uh, the earth's age when Adam was created uh, was zero years that man had been on the earth, right? Uh, Adam had Seth when he was 130. That means that Seth was born when the, when the earth had men on it for 130 years, right? Does that make sense? And then Adam died at 930 years. Let's go on. Let's look at the next verse. Seth, verse 6, lived... 105 years and begot Enosh. So let's put Enosh on there. And he lived 105 years when he begot Enosh. So we know that Enosh was born when the earth's age with humans was 235 years old. Does that make sense? Because he was born at 105 years after, you know, and that would be 235 years since Adam was on the earth, right? So let's keep reading. Um, and Seth lived 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth, verse 8, were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived, that's his son, lived 90 years and begot Canaan. So now we can put Enosh on there, and we can put 90 years on top of the 235, and we know that Canaan was born when the earth was 325 years old, right? And on and on we can do this. Uh, we'll go down, verse 12. Canaan lived 70 years, and he begot Mahalalel, Mahalalel, uh, uh, Mahalel uh, means, by the way, the blessed God. El in Hebrew is God. Mahalel is the blessed God. Enoch, by the way, is... Uh, his name means mortal. Uh, Seth was a, a godly uh, son. He walked with God. And he saw the condition of the earth and how men are dying. And he goes, oh my gosh. Uh, and he names his son mortal, right? Like uh, I, where people are dying and life is short. And, and anyway, Canaan, Mahalel, the blessed God. And so we can see these things. We can, we can, we can figure out how this works. And uh, 
We go, you know, all the way through. You do, do that to all of these, and here's what you'll get. You'll get a list that looks like this. Uh, all the way down to Noah, right? Um, and Noah then was born when the earth was 1,061 years old. When man had been on the earth for 1,061 years. And so we get an idea of the age of the earth. Now let's flip back to, to chapter 6. Actually, let's go to chapter 5, verse 32. And uh, the last verse of chapter 5. And Noah was 500 years old. And Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So if Noah was born on 1061, we know that chapter 6 starts, or chapter 5 ends, at the year 1561, right? And we get a good idea of the timing of all this. Now, chapter 6. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. I want you to underline the word multiply on the face of the earth. And daughters were born to them. Yeah, that's what happens. Uh, men have relations with women. Daughters are born to them. And now the earth's population is radically increasing. Uh, I want you to know, we'll look at this in just a minute. This will, just as a mind boggler though, think about this. I will show you, I will prove to you, the earth's population at the flood was probably much higher than the population of the earth today. We'll look at that in just a minute. Men began to multiply on the face of the earth. And the daughters were born to them. Now we get this really weird passage. Verse 2. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose and yet this is something different than verse 1 where just normal men are having relations with wives and reproducing the earth no no, no. verse 2 we have something different introduced sons of God who are they that take these daughters of, of men uh, and, and what the heck uh, verse 3 and the Lord said Yahweh said my spirit will not always, what's the word? Strive with man. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he indeed, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day shall be a 120 years. There are some who falsely teach that what this passage is saying is man is not going to live 900 years anymore. The average, put that list back up there for me again. The average age, if you take the average age at death, it's 912 years of those listed. And there's some who falsely teach that man is only going to live 120 years now, is what God is saying. That's not at all what God is saying. God is saying, my spirit will not always strive with man. He's got 120 years and then judgment is coming. I want you to think about this word strive. We have this idea that we just get along good with God. We're buddies. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that his spirit is what? Striving with us. In Galatians 5, it teaches the flesh or body lost against the spirit, God's spirit. And God's spirit 
battles against our flesh. These two are contrary to each other so that we do not do the things that God wants us to do. Uh, we, I would like to have this picture idea this in my mind of me and God walking on the footsteps of the shore, footprints in the sand, and when I stumble, God carries me. And there's an element of truth in that for sure. But the real issue is if you looked at those footprints, it would be like, her, her, her. <laughs> right. Because God says, Dave, be nice. And I'm like, I don't want to be nice to them after what they did to me. That's wrestling. That's striving. Dave, be selfless. Why don't you go give them something? Why don't you really bless them? After what they did to me, are you kidding me? And there's this nature of striving that is going on. And here's what we learn. As a child of God, we begin to get more in tune with the Holy Spirit. So that striving becomes less. But it's the Holy Spirit leading us, right? And here's what God is saying. Listen, Noah, I want you to know my spirit will not always strive with man. I'm striving with man now. What am I doing? I'm trying to save them. I'm trying to bring them to myself. I'm trying to let them know my love for them, that I have a good plan for their life. And, and you shouldn't have premarital sex. Do it my way. It's better this way. And you shouldn't steal. Do it my way. It's better. And I've got a really good plan for your life. If you walk in it, you're going to have great success. And he's striving with this. But here's what God's saying here. In, in, he's saying, my spirit will not always strive with man. There's a day coming when judgment will come. And I will quit trying to bring them to myself. And that is true for every single man. There is a time, there is a place when God's spirit no longer strives with you. And you have to give an account to God for what you've done you will either be in Christ or you will be rebelling against him I mentioned on Easter all sin will be punished and we get to decide where my sin can be punished on Jesus your sin can be punished on Jesus by coming into a relationship with him or your sin can be punished on yourself God is trying to bring us striving with us to bring us into a relationship with Jesus my spirit will not always strive with man. He's got 120 years and judgment is coming. Look at verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also afterward. And here's this phrase again. When the sons of God. It's even more graphic here. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men. Or had sexual relations with the daughters of men. And they bore children to them. These children were the mighty ones. The mighty men who were of old men of renown. Uh, the, the Hebrew is Nephilim. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Great wickedness in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Great wickedness in the earth and great wickedness in the heart of man. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. God was not sorry as in, oh man, I blew it. Uh, uh, God was grieved in his heart. 
The Bible is using anthropomorphic terms to help us understand what God was going through. I want you to know something. You can grieve God or you can please God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. But with faith we can please God. Do you know why you have emotion? Do you know why you get grieved? Do you know why you're with people who love you and you're like happy? Because you were made in the image of God. God has feelings. He's a person. He has emotions. And here, God's heart is grieved by the wickedness of man and the wickedness of man's heart and the perversion and the corruption that has come on the earth. Oh my goodness. I find it so awesome to think that we can please God. The Bible tells us that Uh, you can be a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. David was a friend of God. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And by walking in faith, I am so thrilled to know that my life can be pleasing to God. When I'm just honest with them about my mistakes and my sins and say, Lord, I'm sorry, help me, I want to walk with you. No problem, I'll cleanse you. Let's do life together. Yeah, my life pleases God. And your life can please God. What a great reward. But how do we interpret this difficult passage? What does it mean? The sons of God went into the daughters of men and Nephilim were born to them. What the heck? Well, there's two schools of thought on this. I'm going to give you both of them. And for those of you who it's your first time here after Easter Sunday, you're like, what the heck is this church teaching, man? This is crazy stuff. Hey, here's what we do. We go through the Bible verse by verse, right? It's just what we do. And this is a difficult passage. I'll give you that. It's, they're not always this way, but this one is. But I tell you what, there's some depth in here. And if you just have a, open your heart, open your mind, and, and let God speak, uh, you're going to see some profound wisdom. So the two schools of thought on this difficult passage. One school of thought is this, that this sons of God went into the daughters of men. The sons of God means the godly lineage of Seth. The Bible tracks two lineages here, the lineage of Cain, who was wicked, who killed Abel, and who God cast out of the garden and sent out and walked, you know, as a vagabond on the earth. And he has his lineage. And then there's Seth and he has his lineage. And they teach that the godly lineage of, of Seth intermarried with the ungodly lineage of Cain. In other words, believers marrying unbelievers. Now that's a bad thing. Believers shouldn't marry unbelievers. Believers should marry unbelievers. And they say that's what's happening here. Here's the problem with that position. I don't hold that position. I think it's a very poor exposition of scripture for multiple reasons. Uh, But let me give you a couple. Number one, when a non-believer, when a believer marries a non-believer, they don't have giant offspring. I've seen believers marry unbelievers. They may have a headache. They may have a tough time, but they don't have freakish kids, right? Giant kids. Furthermore, the names of these offspring were called Nephilim in Hebrew. That's the Hebrew word. And Nephilim literally means fallen ones. Fallen ones. So that's one reason why this doesn't hold up. Secondly, 
Seth's lineage was not godly. We just read corruption was all over the earth. There were only eight people in the ark. Seth's lineage did not get saved. There was no godly lineage of Seth. It didn't exist. If it did, God wouldn't have needed to judge the world and the, the, the ark would have had a billion people in it, right? But it didn't. The third and most important reason, most powerful reason, is this passage in Hebrew puts a strong emphasis on the angelic realm. For the word sons of God in Hebrew is Benai Elohim. Benai Elohim. It is a phrase that is only used three other places in scripture. And all, every single time it refers to angels not men. Benai Elohim is never used in the Bible anywhere to describe men, much less the lineage of Seth. And so uh, that doesn't hold up. Well, then what does it mean? Well, this gets weird. And here's what it means. Benai Elohim are definitely angels. They're fallen angels. And what happened was, what the Bible is teaching us, is fallen angels or demons cohabited, uh, cohabited with women, either through human possession or directly, and they had a ungodly offspring. They had Nephilim. And they were giants. By the way, Jewish tradition and all ancient Jewish teachings teaches this position. That fallen angels actually had relations with human women. Whether that be through a demon-possessed man and a demon-possessed woman. Or actually through a fallen angel directly cohabitating with a, a woman. And Nephilim coming from them. The Septuagint is an ancient uh, Bible. Uh, it's the Old Testament written in Greek. The Septuagint was written in the third century BC. And the Septuagint is, uh, again, Greek was the, the lingua franca of the day, right? The world had been Hellenized. And Hebrew was no longer the, the main language of the Jews. A Greek was. And so the Old Testament was written in Greek. In the Septuagint, this phrase, the sons of men went into the daughters of women. It says flat out, the angels of God went into the daughter of, women, went into the daughter of men. The angels of God. It's exactly what it means. Uh, in the apocryphal book, the non-canonical non book of Enoch, a book that was written uh, 300 BC, if my memory is correct, uh, in the book of Enoch, it clearly teaches the same thing. And all of Jewish teaching, uh, ancient teaching did, that angels actually went into men. And this demonic... Uh, Relations of angels, fallen angels with women produced a Nephilim. And you say, well, what the heck? What is going on? Here's what is going on. Satan is at work trying to destroy something. It's what he is always trying to do. 
I want you to think back when God made Adam and Eve, Satan had no power over Adam and Eve. Zero, none, zilch, nada. But God had said, in the day you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So what does Satan try to do? Ah, I know how to destroy man. I got to get him to disobey God. And he works hard trying to get them to eat the forbidden fruit, right? Well, after they ate the forbidden fruit, God said, I am going to redeem you. And I am going to redeem you through the seed of a woman. The Messiah is going to come through your lineage, Eve. And when he comes, he will undo this giant mess that your sin has brought into the world. And he will restore righteousness on the earth. And he will restore man back into a relationship with God. You are going to have a seed that's going to come through your lineage. He will be the Messiah and he will restore all things. So what is Satan trying to do? He is trying to, to pervert the lineage of man so that Messiah cannot come through the lineage of man. Does that make sense? And I know that's wild stuff, but that's exactly what was happening. Uh, God had promised that the Messiah would come through the seed of the woman, and Satan was trying to destroy it. Take a look at verse 9. Jump ahead. Let me show this to you. Uh, chapter 6, verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Read these next words with me. Perfect in his generations. Perfect in his generations. That is a unique term in all of the Bible used of no one else anywhere except Noah. And you, don't, you know what it means? It means that Noah's genealogy was not corrupted, was not polluted through this demonic activity. He was still a son of Adam and Eve, that there was no pollution in this genetic uh, demonic activity going on with men. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, right? That seems weird. I want you to know something. The Bible teaches this. Not just here, but also in the New Testament. I don't have time to take you to both the passages, but Second Peter definitely teaches that fallen angels cohabitated with women. I do have a verse for you on the screens. Jude 1.6 teaches the same thing that fallen angels cohabitated with women. Uh, here it is. Uh, let me hear you read this. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Let's park here for a second and look at this. Uh, these angels, fallen angels, who did not keep their proper domain. They weren't supposed to have relationships with women. They did. They left their abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. The Greek word, he has put them in the abuso. They're chained in the abuso. Let's go on the rest of the verse. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, 
have given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. We think that uh, in Jude here that we mistakenly think that he's changing subjects. He talked about the angels who left their abode and now he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. No, he's not. He's still talking about the angels. And notice what it says. These angels that left their abode even as Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities around them in a similar manner to these went after sexual immorality and strange flesh. And he uses the sexual immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah, men with men instead of men with women, as being wrong, as being sinful and, and not what God intended. And he said these angels did the same thing. Look what he says. In a similar manner to these. The these is the angels that left their abode. Do you understand? And so uh, the New Testament teaches the same thing about Genesis here. That these angels went into the daughters of men. And they had these Nephilim, these wild offspring. And the whole purpose was to pollute the lineage of man so that the Messiah could not come. And that's not the only time we see Satan doing this. When Moses, when God promised to deliver for the children of Israel out of Egypt. What did Satan do to all the babies being born? killed them. All the Jewish babies were thrown into the Nile. When Satan heard that the Messiah was being birthed in Bethlehem, what did Satan do? Killed all the baby boys trying to stop the Messiah from coming. And that's what's happening here in the book of Genesis. By the way, very fascinating, these fallen angels that went into the daughters of men they were locked in the obuso, so they cannot do this anymore. God's protection on earth, right? Uh, locked in the obuso. Are there demons on the earth that aren't, uh, excuse me, are there demons that aren't locked in the obuso? Absolutely. Jesus cast out demons all the time that were in people, right? Demon-possessed people. Apparently, they're all over the place, right? I think I see a few of them, you know. Ah. Uh, not literally, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. Uh, well, wait a second. Why were some demons locked in the abuso and not all? Why were some demons on the earth during Jesus' ministry and they're not locked in the abuso? Because those who left their abode and did that with women, the sin was so heinous that they were put in the abuso where they couldn't do that kind of thing on earth again. Does that make sense? And the moment a fallen angel does that, the angel is immediately put in the abuso. Now, here's what's wild. In Revelation chapter 9, during the tribulation period, when God's spirit quits striving and God brings judgment on the earth, do you know what happens? Those demons in the abuso are released. And the earth during the tribulation period will see incredible demonic activity like we have never seen since the days of Noah. Crazy, crazy. So God said, 120 years, I'm going to judge the earth and I'm going to destroy the wicked with a flood. Look what he says, verse 7, chapter 6, verse 7. Are you there? So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. 
both man and beast, creeping thing, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them, or I am grieved by their sin. But look at this, but Noah, I love this verse, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want you to underline the word found. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is always found. It's never earned. It's never earned. Noah didn't do anything. He just found grace. And you can find grace uh, just by, by receiving all that the Lord has for you. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. His, uh, again, uh, that's a, a phrase unique to Noah. His, his lineage had not been polluted by the Nephilim. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was corrupt. We read this. Before God, the earth was filled with violence. Uh, filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth and God said to Noah this is the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth Uh, Jesus said when the son of man comes back it will be as the days of Noah He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. As we begin to wrap up, I want to look at a couple of things. What was it like in the days of Noah? Well, there were four things specifically that are mentioned here. Number one, there was a population explosion. Look at verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. A population explosion. It is probable, as I mentioned, that the earth's population during the flood of Noah exceeded the population today. The average lifespan I showed you was 912 years. That's a long time. If you only had eight children in 912 years, and you would have a lot more than that. I know good Catholics that have way more than eight children. (laughs) In 100 years. If you lived 900 years with no birth control, you would have way more than that. But if you only lived, excuse me, but if you only had eight children and you lived 912 years, there would be a radical exponential population growth. Why? Because you don't die off. And then your kids have kids and you're a grandpa and then you're you're going to be a great, 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 a hundred times over grandpa, right? Because you're still alive. Right now, at a birth rate of 2.2, we die off and our kids, the population increases slowly. But at 912 years, it would increase exponentially. And scholars estimate, just by doing the math, that by living 912 years, with having only eight children, and the flood coming at 1661 AD, I mean, after Adam, that the population would be over 150 billion people on the earth. Huge population. Two factors. Number one, long life, as I already mentioned. And number two, the exponential growth, uh, the nature of exponential growth of population in general. 
Do you know that the earth did not reach one billion in population? How long do you think from the flood of Noah until the earth reached one billion population? How long? When did the earth reach one billion people? 1803, the earth reached one billion people. It took 4,000 years with our shorter lifespan from the age of the flood until 1803 to get one billion people. The second billion people, do you know when it came? Then it only took 124 years to go from one billion to two billion. 4,000 years to get to one billion, 124 years to get to two billion. Do you know how long it takes to get a billion now? Population growth? 12 years. Here's a population chart uh, on your screen so you can see the exponential growth. Uh, 1803, 1 billion people. Today, approaching 8 billion people. And you can see how radically it increased. And here's what God says. He says, hey, as it was in the days of Noah, radical exponential population growth, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. And guess what we have today? Radical exponential growth. That 12-year period is going to start shrinking. And the billions are going to be adding up quickly. Secondly, as it was in the days of Noah, we see there was great sexual perversion. That's verse 2. And what do we see today on the earth? Tremendous sexual perversion. Oh, I don't even need to tell you what is happening in our schools. As our elementary school children, 10 years old, are being taught things they should never, a 10-year-old should never hear. I've been reading the curriculum. It would make your stomach turn. It is horrible. Sexually explicit curriculums. Promoting LGBTQ ideologies. Stuff that is disgusting and wicked. Causing gender confusion for our young children, encouraging them to experiment with whatever gender you want to be, just destroying our children, grooming them to be sexually active at a very early age, telling them not to talk to your parents about this. We need to get our kids out of public school. But my point is simply this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, radical perversion, sexual perversion. By the way, in Palm Springs, two weeks ago, they rolled out a measure. Anybody who just identifies, self-identifies as tri transgender or non-binary gets $900 free. I'm not making this up. Study it. Fact check me. $900 free. You, you know, regardless of your income, you can be a millionaire and go, and go, hey, I feel like a girl today. $900, here you go. Special treatment. The reason? Because transgender people have a hard life. No other reason. And they're applying for $35 million of state funding to do this. Uh, absolutely crazy stuff, right? Uh, pornography. I don't even need to tell you about pornography. Uh, uh, great sexual sin on the earth. 
The third thing that we see in the days of Noah, verse 5 and verse 11, great wickedness on the earth. Corruption filled the earth with violence. What is the earth filled with today? These smashing grabs, these, uh, the corruption, it's just incredible. I look at the world and I wonder, can we even recover? Morality so corrupt. National governance, governments corrupt. Local governments corrupt. And you know what? It's not just our nation. Global governments really corrupt. A time of widespread wickedness on the earth. Our media corrupt. Whatever happened to free speech? Our laws and legislation radically corrupt. Have you heard in California, uh, uh, SB 2223? Uh, have you heard this? If you haven't, do your homework. It used to be we argued about when was the when did life begin, right? And now we don't even care when life begins. They want to make it legal to kill a born child, and it's on the it's on it's trying to be passed right now. Con, uh, push back, make phone calls, write emails. Wickedness of people's hearts, only evil continually. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the in the return of Christ. I want to leave you with this. Uh, uh, I have good news. Good news. I don't want to leave you on that. I have good news. Even in God's judgment. God's grace is always moving. God's grace is always moving. Flip back to chapter 5. Look at verse 18. We got to go super fast because there's another service right behind us. Uh, verse 18. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Enoch. Circle that. Enoch. Enoch is a teacher. Enoch is a preacher. You know what he preached? You know what he taught? Enoch was a prophet. You know what he brought? Enoch You know what he taught? He taught about not the first coming of Jesus. He taught about the second coming of Jesus. You can read it in scripture. You can look at it on your own. Jude 1:14. Enoch taught, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints, with myriads of his saints, with the church to bring judgment on the ungodly. Enoch taught that Jesus was coming to earth and he was going to bring judgment. He was going to restore the earth. That's what Enoch taught. Look at verse 19. Uh, and, and Enoch, he begot Jared and he lived 800 years after he begot. He had other sons and daughter. So all the days of Jared were 962. And look at this. And Enoch lived 65 years and begot, say it with me, Methuselah. Do you know what Methuselah means? Methuselah means his death shall bring. Jew, uh, excuse me, Enoch was preaching about the return of Christ to judge the earth. And here's what he was saying. When my son dies, the judgment is coming. His death shall bring the judgment of God. He named his son Methuselah. This is interesting. Let's bring that chart back on your screens. Please. <laughs> Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. Methuselah is the oldest man recorded in the Bible. What does that reveal to us? God hates bringing judgment on the earth. 
When he dies, judgment will come. I'm going to make him the longest living human ever. God hates bringing judgment on the earth. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Now, his name means what? His death shall bring, right? The judgment of God. His death shall bring. Well, then something's interesting. Did the flood come when Methuselah died? Well, let's look. Next slide. Uh, no, next slide. Genesis 7, 6 tells us that Noah was 600 years old when the flood began. Noah was born when the earth's age was 1061. That means the flood began on 1661, right? Well, let's look at Methuselah. He was born when the earth of the age was 692 and he lived 969. 692 plus 969 just happens to be 1661. It just so happens on the day that Methuselah died, the year that Methuselah died, the earth was flooded. God kept his word. Not only that, but check this out. Enoch, who has Methuselah, look at verse 20. Uh, verse 22 Enoch has Methuselah and after he begot Methuselah Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters that is really encouraging you know why because even in a world that is really wicked and falling apart a man can still have faith and still walk with God and Enoch had an amazing relationship with God really cool and now this is even more amazing. Look at verse 24. Verse 23. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What happened? Enoch did not die. He was raptured. And you say, I don't think he was raptured. Well, then you need to read Hebrews 11, verse 5. It says he was raptured, right? What happened? Before God brings judgment on the earth, those who walk with him are raptured. You can't make this stuff up. And it goes on, and Lamech, and, and Noah, and all these things. And I have one more little Easter egg. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, I want to give you one more thing before we, we leave. Look at this chart here. Look at these names. Uh, put that next slide up for me. If you put the meaning of the names to each one of these guys, look what we get. Adam means mankind. Seth means appointed. Enoch means mortal, etc., all the way down. And look what it happens to spell out. Mankind, appointed, mortal, purchaser, or redeemer. We've been appointed a mortal, mortal, purchaser. Who was that? Jesus. Mankind appointed the mortal purchaser. His name was Jesus. He will be the blessed God who shall come down dedicated to his work of redemption and his death shall bring the poor rest or comfort. Is that not amazing? It's absolutely amazing. Mankind, that's us, appointed the mortal purchaser, the redeemer of our souls. He will be the blessed God. His name is Jesus. He's going to come down and he's going to be dedicated to saving us. And his death shall bring the poor in spirit, comfort and rest, eternal life. I want you to know 
There is no rabbi in the world who could ever formulate this. There was no man in the world who could ever make this. This wouldn't have even been understood until Jesus went to the cross. Thousands of years later, all of this was written and foretold by God. This is his work, his plan of redemption on planet Earth. You are in his hands and you are secure and safe in the arms of Jesus. Shall we stand? I've kept you too long, but may the Lord's grace be upon you. May you be in awe of his plan of redemption foretold from the beginning of time and all that Jesus has done to bring it into fruition. You're in good hands. May the Lord richly bless you. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.